Before we begin, I want to welcome you all back for season three. Please be aware that this first episode of the season is incredibly graphic. It includes rape, incest, molestation, and extreme accounts of child abuse. These are things that we have covered on our show before, but even for us, this goes above and beyond in many ways. If you don't think you could make it through, we will be back next week with a second episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Speaking from experience, being a landlord has its challenges. I know there are a lot of really awful landlords out there, but I also know there are a lot of really horrible tenants out there as well. Today's case starts out in a way that many landlord-tenant relationships end, an eviction. What would snowball from there, however, really can't be summarized so easily. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be covering the case of Michelle Blair and the brutal torture and murders of her two children, Stoney and Stephen, in Detroit, Michigan. so nice i know i know i was so excited i woke up super early this morning and then couldn't fall back to sleep because i was like so excited (laughs) like a child on christmas a really long break for us it was it was a really long break but i think it was like super necessary to kind of cleanse the palate if you will we took a break from each other too (laughs) yeah well i mean like staring at one another for like you know, every single week. It's not easy. It's not wow, easy. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> um, so for anyone who checks out our social media, you'll definitely want to tune in because there's a, an amazing TikTok video that we tried to make that is it, failed horribly. Is but not we what posted it's supposed it to be. Anyway. We, we put it up there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh did you did you tag my TikTok in it or no? I forgot you had a TikTok, to be That's honest. totally cool. I forget I have a TikTok <laughs> all the time. Uh, we'll we'll fix that. And I put versions of videos on Instagram and Facebook of Kristen attempting to make said TikTok. Oh, you posted those? Oh, yeah. Of course I did. <laughs> oh, of course I did. It was too cute not to. <laughs> so I just want to, before we kind of kick off everything, I want to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners out there. I honestly could not believe the number of downloads we continue to get like during our break, uh, well after our last episode of season two. You know, maybe you're new, maybe you're just catching up, but seriously, it seems like you guys all survived January by listening to us, and we love it. We are here for that. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. So, so here for it. Um, And I certainly hope everyone's having an amazing new year already uh, and had an awesome holiday season. We are so far and, you know, gearing up for New Jersey HorrorCon 2023. And I'm really, really excited. Like it's 
it's just going to be, I think, a little different going back this year because we know so many people now and it's it's fun. It's like a weird reunion tour. Like, I love it. Um, So let's dive in, shall yeah. we? Okay. Can't wait for this one. Oh, my That's God. Sarcasm. Yeah, no, seriously. So this episode is rough. And I mean, like, I'm a heartless sociopath for the most part. And I I struggled to listen to some of the details. And I found some audio and stuff that I shared with Kristen. And she had already been familiar. And I think she was unnerved by it as well, to say the least. So let's get. Yeah. 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 You'll, you'll, you'll see. So it was 2015. And Michelle Blair was living with her four children in a rental in Detroit, Michigan. Now, Michelle, who spells her name M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-E, was hated by all for that fact alone, but also because she wasn't paying her rent. She called around to friends and family asking for money, but they basically finally stopped helping her and actually advised her to get a job. And that was definitely something that Blair had struggled with. I mean, that's a difficult position to have four kids and... And have to work. Yeah. But they were all of school age. That's also true. Right. And the eldest was like... 17. Old enough yeah. to take care of the Absolutely, to three. watch them. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think the second oldest was like 13, too. So it's like there were definitely, like they could have watched and gotten their, you know, younger siblings off a bus or something like that. But we'll get into the details as to why that didn't happen shortly. Now, on March 24th of 2015, an eviction was granted by the local courts and a crew from the 36th Court Uh, District Court entered the home to serve the notice and remove any and all personal belongings from the home. So for anyone who doesn't know how evictions work, it's a pretty major process in some states and then very straightforward in others. For example, in Texas, it's incredibly simple to get your money back from a tenant and then to get them out. In Connecticut, it can be like a six plus month process. And there's multiple filings on the part of the landlord. The tenant has like three to four separate opportunities to respond to the complaints or requests to leave. The state definitely sides with the tenant. Absolutely. So in that case. Yeah. And like the, the laws for Connecticut were actually written in the 1970s. And at that point, there were no tenant landlord laws laws and like landlords were just sort of like kicking people out because like their cousin wanted to move in which is super awful um and so the people who wrote the laws were totally on the side of the tenants and there are just unfortunately some people out there who have learned those laws and take full advantage take full advantage and have used them you know in in their own way and, it, you know, so in that six to six month time period that they're trying to evict them, oftentimes the tenant doesn't pay anything and the landlord has to cover any and all costs. And just a little factual info, in many, many circumstances, the tenants trash the place. Personal experience on that one twice, which is super, super lame. But I digress. So the court officers show up. They knock. No one's home. But they have full and legal right to enter the home and remove the personal items of Michelle and her children. So they start to haul things out and they come upon a large deep freezer in the living room. Perfect place for it. 
Yeah, no, uh, yeah, exactly. I was like, kind of strange to have a deep freezer. Like, ours is in the basement, you, you know? You don't want it as extra seating in the no, living room? No, no, I don't, I don't. could put a cushion right on top exactly. of it. Exactly, <laughs> it'd be like a little tabletop, put some chairs up against it. You know, you got to do what you got to do. The freezer's covered in kids' drawings and artwork, and they open the freezer, probably because they were going to take everything out of it to make it lighter to be able to carry out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And because those things are pretty heavy when they're filled. Um, and they open the freezer and to their shock, they find a body in it. So not really something you would expect to be next to the frozen peas and a chicken. A human body, to be clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like it an animal like a body. Carcass. Right. It wasn't a car. Yeah, yeah, no. No carcasses. Human body. So the court officers called in local police and the apartment home immediately becomes a crime scene. They did not get there fast enough. No, no, honestly. Like, I mean, how do you even respond to a call? Like, I I always wonder, like, when I recap some of these stories with you and everything, I think about what it must be like to be a police officer sometimes and or a 911 dispatcher and get some of these calls and just be like, what? Right. Like, did you make that up? Like, is that for real? I'm sorry. Is this a joke? Right. Like, this is not the way to joke. But anyway. So when the officers finally arrive, um, the body of a young woman wrapped in plastic was removed. At that point, these officers morbidly discovered the body of a young boy that was stacked underneath the young woman wrapped in plastic. So neighbors immediately come out because obviously there's commotion there's people around they're they're asking questions they see i'm sure crime scene investigation and um you know, i mean I it's a, a process even for just the court to come out exactly and, the eviction process right. exactly so like that's that's we a, started there and now it's right. a huge scene exactly and like let's face it you see a bunch of commotion and you're grabbing your cup of coffee and if you don't have anything better to do or any place better to be you're looking out the window yesterday at my office um my coworker and i scott look out the window and there's a bunch of smoke billowing out from one of the local restaurants that's being like changing hands right now. And we're like, oh, good, a fire. And we literally grabbed our coffees wow. and like walked over to the window. It's there's no one in there. I mean, like, it's OK. No, it's not OK. But <laughs> so <Wow>. we literally <laughs> Christina showing her true colors. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm a heartless sociopath. No, we, we went over to the window and we're like, huh, OK, I guess, you know, it's only noon, but the day is peaking. Like, this is what we have to look at today. It's just something that happens. So a neighbor comes out, sees all the commotion, and discloses where Michelle could be found. Immediately. Yes. Oh, she's just next door. Let me take you to her. Right down the road. Here. So frighteningly, she was at a neighbor's home babysitting with two of her children in tow. Michelle was brought in, she was interrogated, and then she was arrested for murder now uh the interrogation most of it at least can be found on youtube Uh it's about an hour and 40 something minutes it's pretty long and um i don't want to say boring but uneventful a little tedious to watch it's it's an interrogation and she's like just admitting to things basically she she didn't hide it i mean there was a level of pride that came with her admissions on all of this, for sure. Yeah. So we'll get there. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now. 
So the two bodies from the freezer were brought to the morgue. They had actually been frozen so long that it took them three days uh, to fully thaw out. It was then that they were finally able to perform the autopsy. So it was determined that both bodies were those of Michelle's two children, Stoney, age 13, and Stephen, age 9. It was also determined that they had indeed died by homicide, and they had been in the freezer for at least a couple of years. Over two years. Crazy. Crazy. So, to recap. There's a freezer. Michelle has four kids total. Four children total. They live in a house. There are two fathers involved. Yes, well... Not really involved. I mean, but there are two fathers that exist. Yes. One for two of the children, the other for the other two of the children. So, Michelle Blair has these four children, two of which are in a freezer located in the living room. Where the other children are hanging their artwork. For over two years. Right. Right, right, right. And you may be wondering, now, how wasn't this questioned, considering that surely a school and the neighbors would have noticed if well, the children just disappeared? So good question, remember, because no. Exactly. In Michigan, no. No one notices anything. No one notices anything, apparently. Um, so if you remember earlier, I mentioned that she didn't have a job. And the reason why is because she basically pulled all of her kids out of school and said she was going to homeschool them. But... Okay, so in Michigan, there are no truancy officers, apparently. The, yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't check things out. Um, so you can just pull your kids out of school at any time right. and not give any reason. Right, 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 Not right. say you're going to homeschool. No one checks up on these kids. Right. Um, so basically in Michigan, you can just disappear as a child and no one's going to notice. It's which is crazy. It's completely insane because in most states, you at least have to like show proof of the education system that your right. children will be entering into. You know what I mean? Right. Like when if you if you or, say like, you're homeschooling, yeah, you they have, have to show to the curriculum, like certain right goals. markers. Yeah. exactly. Because like I was actually homeschooled for a brief period of time because of course I was because that's just the story you of my life everywhere. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I had to like do. St- basically like standardized testing sort of thing at certain points. Right. So not only do you have to prove that you're alive, but right. you have to prove that you're learning. Like I had to physically go someplace and like take a test and be like, hi, I exist. Plus like, I mean, I don't, there's just kids still, like if, if a child is homeschooled, they still leave the house. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I don't understand. They still, they still walk Generally, out the door. Yeah. Unless you're being held captive in your own home. Like, um, that other family. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. The, Why can't um, I think of their last name? Can't think of their last name. I follow the mm-hmm. her on Instagram, though, and she's like the most adorable thing in the entire world. You know, we covered oh. it. You guys are probably shouting it at your radios right now. Okay. Forget your speakers. it. Speakers. It's cool. So this is one of those circumstances. Nobody really took notice or at least did anything about taking notice that these children were gone for two years. So Stoney and Stephen each had different fathers that lived elsewhere. I do suppose it's possible that folks around Michelle thought maybe the children were with their fathers. However, the fathers really hadn't been involved up until this point. Also crazy. I mean, not unheard of, but. Right. Right, um, right, right. You don't notice that your children or child is 
missing well, that's, that's just it. Like the fathers, like you, they just don't see that child for two years. Like I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And these these aren't like adult children. We're talking 13 and 9, right? So you figure maybe once in a while they're going to have an activity that you'll want to go see. I don't know. There there'd be some interaction, but they were they were removed. So we'll we'll just kind of take that out of it. And Michelle had told the schools that they were moving and the schools like we said never followed up, wondered why the kids never came back. And according to sources around her, she quote unquote homeschooled the kids. Like according to the neighbors, that's what she did. Right. Because that's what she told them. And like the the neighbors even speak out about the fact that the they never really left the house. Like they were always just kind of in the house sort of thing. And so, to be clear, she was not homeschooling. No, them. she was not homeschooling. But I, I'm pretty sure all of you are wise enough to realize I that just she need was to point that out. not <laughs> actually homeschooling the kids. Exactly. Um, we're, this isn't like a vicious attack on homeschooling, you know. <laughs> so uh, but oh, what is it, you know, really what it boils down to that a mother could kill her like two of her own kids, like what could have come up and like not touch the other two. And during the interrogation, she explained in great, great detail, unfortunately. So back in August of 2012, now this is three years before, Michelle claimed to have come home and found her youngest child, Matthew, playing with his dolls in a questionable way. It was very hypersexualized. He had them humping each other. Right. Thank you for spelling that out no as I tried to keep it very PG. Well, we did give it. <laughs> I know. I know. A little warning for yeah, this. They episode. were humping each other and they were like wrestling dolls or something. And I think it was it was also like two male dolls. And she was like, what's going on? Basically. Where did you learn that? Right. Because he was six years old. Right. So Michelle questioned Matthew wanting to know why he was doing this and whether or not someone had ever done that to him. You see, when Blair was a child, she claims to have been sexually assaulted and her mother did nothing to stop it. In Michelle's words, her mother actually said to her, it's over with. What do you want me to do about it? Lovely. Lovely. Mm -hmm. So good parenting skills. So Michelle Blair obviously had harbored some. Oh, a couple, couple little just things. a few uh, a feelings, bit of trauma. some issues, some definitely trauma. <sighs> just a bit, just a bit. So Matthew, the six-year-old, finally admitted that Stephen, his nine-year-old brother, had done things to him when she wasn't around. So Blair storms upstairs and confronts Stephen. Blair claims that Stephen admitted to "quote unquote" fucking his brother, and. I couldn't say humping, but you could say that. Yeah, well, I put quotes around it, so they're not my words. But anyway, according to Blair, Stephen admitted to humping on Matthew, raping Matthew, urinating on Matthew, and ejaculating in the eyes of Matthew. Now, this admission raised a lot of questions for me. One, how as a parent could you not possibly notice the damage done to a child when they're bathing, when they're changing, anything like that? I mean, my kid runs around naked constantly. Kristen can vouch for that. Yes. Yeah, she's always naked. I can't keep clothes on her. Two, Stephen was only nine, so the ejaculation 
portion kind of seemed a bit unlikely to me, but I unfortunately, I googled it and learned that boys can ejaculate at a very early age. However, there's no sperm content until they go through puberty. So I hope you went incognito for that, Google. I I <laughs> I just, I I couldn't stop my fingers from typing because I was like, I have to know now. And now we all know. And I'm really sorry. So, yeah, there, oh, no, God. it was it was gross. It was like a WebMD sort of thing that came up. So I was just like, good. And then I deleted it and washed my browser history and burned my computer. But it's fine. Um, so the way she discusses it during the plea bargain trial, as she uh, pleaded guilty, uh, is so crass. So gross. This this is what I we were texting back and forth on the yeah. words that she uses to describe this. Yeah. She, so she literally uses words like fucked your brother, pissed on him, came on his face, etc. And what was no, it was nutted. Oh, nutted. Yes, there was another because she said it. How do you say multiple, that? Like, how do you say about that your about your sons? It, it's so and it, it just speaks to the things that are so horribly wrong within her and clearly going on in her life. Um, because I, I just I mean, it was really hard to listen to her. Like, I usually listen to podcasts and do research while I'm, you know, washing dishes or loading the dishwasher. And there were points where I was just like, I can't like I can't cook dinner while I listen to this. Like, I can't do this. Um, it was it was awful. I was listening to it while driving. I had to rewind it and hear it one more time just because I was like, there's no way that she just she said what said I that. thought she said. Right, 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 right. Unfortunately, she yeah, yeah, she definitely she did. did. Mm. So something else about her is there was kind of this strange pride in the way she recounted it all for the court. Not like pride in the acts but pride in her actions in response to the oh, acts. she thinks she's a hero oh yeah absolutely hands down hands down so back in august of 2012 when blair confronted her nine-year-old son she started and, and also i i just want to go ahead and throw out that i'm pretty sure that any other logical well-adjusted parent would find a nine-year-old if they if they were sexually assaulting a younger sibling, they would understand that something awful had happened to that child, and that child needed severe therapy. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that any like the nine-year-old, not the like the accused right. sort of thing, because generally speaking, nine-year-olds don't just do that. So she had, and she being Michelle had explained what had happened to her when she was a child in detail to all four of her children. Good, good. So they could have known from that. Um, but I, I, I question whether so or not the abuse ever even occurred. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, well, let's let's break it all down and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that because there's like so much unpacking. Um, so back in August of 2012, when Blair confronted her nine-year-old son, Stephen, she started a two-week reign of torture that would eventually end his life. Because so, that's a an appropriate response absolutely, to... Absolutely. Absolutely. What had happened? Blair placed a plastic bag over Stephen's head until he passed out multiple times. She placed him in the shower and dumped boiling water over his genitals until his skin peeled off. She forced him to drink Windex, claiming that he had done that to Matthew, and 
lifted him up by a belt wrapped around his neck. Like, raised this nine-year-old child up. Her son. Yeah. Like, uh, insane. When he died after this two long weeks of abuse, she claimed it to be an accident. She said the day that he died, she had gone into his bedroom to get him to bring him into the bathroom to urinate. And he couldn't stand up on his own. And when she got him into the bathroom, he collapsed and basically just died in her arms because he was malnourished at that point. Yeah, she wasn't so feeding him as well. abused that he couldn't, his body just couldn't hold on any longer. And she said she heard his heartbeat slow down. It was normally a strong heartbeat. And, and why, that's, it's weird that she would know that. So I think, obviously, she had been abusing him long prior to oh. any of this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And and I think the, the autopsy would agree. Um, so she, she claimed that it was an accident because I, I don't even know how you can get to that level. She she wrapped his body in his favorite blanket and placed him in the freezer in the living room. That That was her response to it. Then, fast forwarding a bit to May of 2013. So we're nine months later. Right. Michelle discovered that Matthew's abuse was not over. But in fact, it was being continued by Stoney, her 13-year-old daughter. So Michelle claimed that Stoney admitted to also raping her little brother, Matthew, as well as squeezing out the contents of her menstrual pad into his mouth, forcing him to ingest it. She had also abused Stephen at one time, or at least this is Michelle's story. Michelle tortured, starved, beat, strangled, and assaulted Stoney, including the boiling water torture, which had previously been used on Stephen, and caused his skin to bubble and peel off of his genitals. On May 25th in 2013, Michelle ended Stoney's life by strangling her to death. On purpose. This one was not an not accident. Not accidental. Exactly. Stoney was also placed in the freezer, but less ceremoniously, I would say, than Stephen. Rather than in a favorite blanket, she was wrapped in plastic and placed on top of Stephen's body. Which does kind of... Back yeah. up that Stephen may have been an accident. I mean, uh, right uh, she, in her she mind, definitely at least. caused it. Right, but she was just trying to inflict inflict pain, pain exactly, and not with the intent to murder him. Whereas with Stony, she absolutely intended to murder her. Even in the trial, she says to the judge. So, the judge asks her, "You meant to kill her?" And Michelle replies. I definitely meant to kill her. The judge asks, it wasn't an accident. Michelle says, no, not at all. If I had the chance to do it again, I would. Mm -hmm. She also later says, I meant to. I definitely meant to. And I do not feel any remorse for what I did to Stoney because she had no remorse for what she did to my son. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. If I'm not mistaken, too, there's been speculation that because Stoney's body was not the size of a nine-year-old. She was a 13-year-old girl, and I don't think she was large by any means, but there is speculation that Michelle brought her eldest daughter in to assist her in putting the body into the freezer, which is like... Yeah, I've heard that 
Yeah. I don't, I, I actually heard something slightly different that. Oh. Okay. That she just forced her eldest daughter to do to it. To do it. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think that anyone would do that willingly. Um, yeah, that's fair. There was also a chair placed directly in front of the freezer in the yes. living room, yes. which, I mean, if, this is pure speculation, but it, it seems as though that would be placed there for punishment for the remaining two children. Like a, a timeout sort of right. chair. Like, you're going to be in the freezer if you right, right. Up. This could happen to you, too, if you don't. Here's a friendly reminder right. of what I did to your siblings. Exactly. That I've already killed two, yeah, one of your brothers and one of your sisters. Exactly. So, Michelle, after, you know, so basically after Stoney was placed on top of Stephen's body, Michelle and her two remaining children, as we said, continued to live on in the apartment alongside the frozen dead bodies of her two children until that eviction more than two years later. Michelle uh, pleaded guilty to two counts of first degree murder. And during her hearing, she recounted the deaths in horrible, horrid detail. I don't know how anyone sat through that. I don't either. Trial. I don't either. The honestly. judge was like, you can hear it in the judge's mm-hmm. voice. She's like, just dumbfounded by and the, the what prosecutor, this woman is saying. The, the prosecutor who, like, for court record, needed this woman to basically spell out what she did and, like, why she was accepting this sentence and what she was pleading guilty to and everything. I mean, there are points where, like, you can just hear it in her voice, too, where she's just like, yeah, no, just just say it. Like, just say it so I don't have to ask the question again, right. you know? So she is currently serving a long sentence, 38 plus years, as Michigan doesn't have the death penalty. Michelle has uh, actually said many times that she has no remorse for her actions. And given the chance, she would do it again. Also, while in jail, she has assaulted um, correctional officers multiple times. So she's obviously just an angry, violent human. She's she's racked up more than 49 in prison violations. One of which, did you hear the Pringle can one? No. So she was in... um, Solitaire, solitary. Are Pringle cans never going to be the same again for me? I I don't know. Maybe not. So she filled one of the Pringle cans with her feces and urine and threw the little slot in the door, threw it at the correctional officer bringing or taking away her food. Oh, my God. That is horrifying to me. She has also kicked correctional officers in the stomach, spit Mm -hmm. on them. She's just... um, and you you can hear it Terrible. in her voice as well. Like when she is, there is one point while she is, you know, recounting everything during this this um, plea hearing, basically, um, where the the prosecutor asks her, "Did you ever see any of this abuse?" And because she was home with the children all the all time. the time. And she flat out, she's like, well, it happened. I never saw it, but it happened. Can you tell her that it happened? Like pointing at the, I don't know, the judge or her attorney or something else, like trying to get other people to back up her story that it happened and she wasn't making it up and it was real and she was angry. And by the way, her son and daughter, obviously both the the surviving children Mm -hmm. got some therapy. Yes. Oh my God. Much needed therapy. And 
it's not been confirmed that any of this actually happened. No, no, there's been absolutely no confirmation. Medical examinations of the two living children showed signs of abuse. So they, uh, not sexual abuse, though. Right. Just like physical, physical abuse, abuse, probably inflicted by their mother. Right. They I mean, Matthew, the youngest at this point, he was nine years old. Right. Um, he had old scars. He had more than on 25 st- scars on all his over body. his body. And the eldest um, Who daughter. Was, she would have been 19 at this point. She had a chipped tooth from where Michelle had thrown a curling iron at her. She yeah. had a big gash above her eyebrow from where she had been hit with a two by four. So, I mean, all of this abuse started long before yes. the deaths of her other two children absolutely absolutely i mean like yeah literally the 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 eldest daughter recounted and shared stories of being beaten with a hot curling iron um and like what's so bizarre is uh, according to her she killed two of her children to protect matthew and yet he was scarred and had physical signs abusing him also years of abuse exactly also in 2002, mm-hmm. so long before any of this had happened, right, CPS right, right. had been called on her. Yes, yes. And nothing was done right. for for abusing her children. Right. At this point, they were like toddlers. Right. And then again, in 2005, CPS was called on her, CPS being Child Protective Services. Right. And um, again, nothing was done. She was, it was suggested that she get therapy. That was it. Good. That was it. Good. So Michigan dropped the ball hardcore so much with this case it's ridiculous like how many other i just families is this occurring in in detroit or just michigan in general it's well yeah because there's no one checking up on it it's crazy yeah and and michelle's aunt was a former cps worker oh my god that's oh my god i'll leave that there so and then (laughs) The aunt, that same aunt, took the two surviving children into her custody after. I was going to say, yeah. So the children were placed in care outside of their their direct, like the fathers, basically. The fathers of both living children were denied parental rights. (laughs) Michelle actually wanted to keep custody of her surviving children while she was in jail for life. Right, right. Right. Wow. Exactly. So that works. Clearly delusional. Absolutely. And, And I will say, like, so both of the fathers kind of overlooked the possibility of any type of this abuse and they were both actually really behind on child support one like $39,000 in the hole on child support and the other $10,000 uh behind and I don't know if you know how much child support is but it's usually like I mean for two kids I- I've heard of accounts here in Connecticut in Connecticut where the cost of living is like redonkulous where child support's like 200 bucks a week for two kids. And it's like, that's like barely a grossy, grocery bill these days. So I'm assuming because cost of living is lower in Michigan, it took a really long time to rack up $39,000 in back child well, support. Clearly they weren't um, prevalent in their children's lives. No, 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 no. At all. And, and I would also like to report that the two surviving children are absolutely thriving at this point. All accounts that I could find show that they are just in really good care and just in a really good place overall. So, I mean. I don't know how. Uh, uh, yeah. 
years and years and years of therapy are ahead and I'm sure lots of other fun stuff, but it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. So, so this is probably one of the more horrific. Yeah. yeah we, don't, we don't get into like child abuse that often. If we do, it's not. It's usually like the child, the abuse of this, like a, a later offender sort of thing. You know, I don't even know what to call this aside from disgusting, disturbing it is. It's really disturbing. And the fact that those poor babies had to die that way or any of these children had to experience that is just mind boggling to me. But, you know. So that was uh, episode one. Episode one. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Exactly. Hopefully everybody is, uh, you know. Super depressed now. Yeah. On for the ride. And, and um, nobody has any plans to drive off any bridges later today or anything like that. Uh, maybe don't have any cocktails uh, <laughs> um, or have a few cocktails, depending on how you how you deal with things. So keep your children safe. <laughs> exactly. Hug your children, give them big smooches and be grateful that uh, that you are not Michelle Blair. So and also just got to stress the fact that her name is Michelle and it really, really irritates me. I know it shouldn't, okay. but it really does. <laughs> It really does from the beginning. Uh, Kristen suggested it, and I really needed that to be a typo, and it wasn't a typo. <laughs> and so here I am. Um, we are going to have some great cases coming up. Again, we'd always love to hear from you. So hit us up on any of our social platforms. <laughs> Definitely check out that TikTok. Um, <laughs> any of our social platforms, and let us know if you have any case suggestions for us. And we will see you guys in March at New Jersey Horror Con. And Can't we'll wait. hear from you before then. Okay. Bye. Bye.